Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Welcome to today's episode of the Encore Podcast. I am delighted to have with me today my friend and someone that I often network with and hope to collaborate with in the future, Diana Lidstone. Diana is a role model, actually, in the circles that I travel in. I do a lot of networking and participate in a lot of ladies' women's business groups in Kingston, which is our local market, and she definitely is someone everyone looks up to. I am excited for her to share her wisdom and her backstory. And Diana is an entrepreneur at heart, and she has been building her own business for many, many years and helping others build their own businesses for many, many years. She's an innovator and a growth accelerator, and she has her own amazing story that I'm excited to share with everyone. So welcome, Diana. Well, thank you so much for having me, Sherry. It's great to get to know you a little better, find out what you do, and I think this series that you're putting together, you know, I'm hoping that it can be inspiring for other women, and I'm sure it is. I think so. We're getting some really great feedback, actually, and the snowball is growing. We're getting more and more traction and more and more listeners every time that we put out an episode. And I've actually interestingly started to hear some of the women that I'm interviewing now saying, oh, and that guest you had on previously who said this actually inspired me. So it's an amazing domino effect and I'm really excited about it. So thank you for your support and being willing to participate and share your story. Awesome. If you will, tell us who Diana is. So where did Diana come from? Where did you grow up? What did, you know, your early years look like? If you are willing to share any highlights or lowlights. And then, you know, your formative growing years, I call it kind of your 20s and 30s when you're probably building a career and building a family and getting your first home and all that kind of good stuff. What did that all look like for you? You mean I have to think back all that way? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I actually grew up in Quebec in the eastern townships on a horse farm. I was a competitive equestrian, went off to university, met my husband-to-be in my first year at university, and uh, we moved to Montreal. I lived in Montreal for most of my life. And uh, yeah, we didn't have children until I was 30, which back then, so in the 80s, that was late. (laughs) Funny story, I'll just interject. When I had my first child, I was 27, and I was living in a small town. And when I went to the doctor to confirm my pregnancy, they seemed shocked it was my first at 27. I came home and said to my husband, why do you think he was shocked that this was my first at 27? (laughs) I think given the population of that area, that was a little bit later at that time, and that was the 90s. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I never worked really in corporate. I worked as, back then, what they would have called an executive secretary for a number of years. My husband got transferred back and forth, Montreal to Halifax, and I had originally wanted to become a teacher. Okay. 
while I was at university, I was going to take a second year. I was going to get graduate with my BA, take another year, become a teacher. And at that time, the Quebec teachers all went on strike. Oh, okay. And I went, ooh. But they were on strike for like six months. Oh, my goodness. And so I decided, no, that wasn't an option. And I went, well, okay, what am I going to do? And my mother had always said, you know, you need to know how to type. Because if you know how to type, you can always get a job. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, for listeners who are younger, they might go, what? What is she talking about? But think back to the 70s, you know, secretaries. That was a good paying job that you could get anywhere. So I ended up taking a one-year course in Montreal for executive secretaries, got a job, and I was always kind of outspoken. And so (laughs) I saw things that didn't seem right, and I spoke up and ended up sitting in front of the president one day, and he went, what do you mean? And I went, well, this is going on, and that's going on, and do you really want to know? And he went, yes. I ended up becoming his secretary Oh, because I spoke up. Good for you. And then my husband got transferred, and I thought he was going to cry that day. (laughs) But, you know, let's fast forward. Working in corporate as a secretary wasn't really that fulfilling for me. And so after a few moves with my husband, I kind of went, well, maybe I can do something else. And if you think back to 1983, I had my first child. IBM came out with their first home computer. Okay. Two floppy drives, and it weighed a ton. The printer I could hardly lift. And for $5,000, I invested in equipment and started my own home business. Which, that was groundbreaking at the time. Well, you know, it was kind of like the early version of a virtual assistant. Right. Okay. And people would literally knock on my door and leave me work to type, and I would give it back to them. And then my husband got transferred again. Child number two came along. And I turned this business into a real business and actually through support of the Nova Scotia government was able to hire additional people to work at home for me. Way ahead of your time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then a husband got transferred again. And I went, you know, I'm so done with trying to start a business and then kind of having to give it up again. And so I went back to my original roots, which was working with horses. Where we lived outside of Montreal was a real horsey community. I just looked in the newspaper, there was a job. Somebody said they were looking for somebody to come and work with their horses in the morning, which worked out fine with me because the kids were at school. So I went and this lady kind of interviewed me and I said, well, what do I have to do? Because I didn't want to be, you know, shoveling shit, literally. She says, well, you know, these are kind of expensive horses. So you have to put their boots on and their coats on and put them outside for an hour and then bring them in. Ooh, they were fancy horses. Yeah. (laughs) And then, oh, and then ride this one and exercise this one. And, oh, yeah, you have to dust the pictures that are in the barn. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) And I went, oh, I think I can handle this. And then as a child, I had learned how to not only ride horses, but drive. And she was part of a local competitive driving club. Okay. And she said, you know how to drive? And I said, yeah. And she said, can you hitch up this 
pony. And I went, oh, so it was like muscle memory. Like where do all these straps fit right. and whatever. And I worked with her for probably four years. And it was amazing to sort of get back to my roots. And I remember my kids saying, you know, mom, you call that a job. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, if you can get paid for what you love doing, that's what you should aim for. Absolutely. And so, yeah, that was that sort of era. Left it to start my own retail store. Okay. 12 years in retail. Oh, boy. Husband and I bought a building, opened a retail store, and people will say, well, Diana, did you know anything about retail? And I said, not a freaking thing. <laughs> That's <laughs> once how I opened a cheerleading company. Knew there nothing about it, just took a leap of faith. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, inventory, employees, etc. that was all a learning curve. And thank goodness my husband had, you know, a business degree because I had to learn about inventory turns and I had to learn about cash flow and budgeting all those sort of back end of the office stuff right. I learned through my retail days. Okay. So when I'm now working and, you know, coaching consultants, coaches, and other professionals, I draw on those days of retail to know about the projections and the profit and that sort of things. I also draw on learning how to sell in retail kind of that was the name well, of the game exactly without selling right mm -hmm. so yeah for 12 years as my kids were growing up I owned a retail store wow that must have been a very busy time because retail doesn't rest retail does not seven days a week right. so my husband had a corporate job and he worked on Sundays because we were open Sundays right he worked with me on Saturdays so there wasn't a lot of really good quality family time during that time and on top of that, I had aging parents. And on top of that, my daughter was bedridden for seven years. Oh, my goodness. So this is probably something that maybe you haven't heard, but she had chronic fatigue syndrome for okay. seven years, which meant from the age of, I want to say, 13 to 20, she did not go to school. She didn't do oh anything. Oh, my goodness. It was a really tough time, not only for, you know, myself and my husband, but the impact that it had on the rest of the family. She is fine now. She's Good. living an amazing life. She's about to give birth to our first grandchild. Oh, so she exciting. has an amazing job and partner. So those tough years really made me grateful for what I had. Right. And if I look back, that was a tough time. But it was also a very eye-opening time. It made me realize the importance of certain things and what to let go of. Right. Okay. And that's some of life's most important lessons come in unexpected packages. Let's unexpected packages. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody had mentioned to me at that time, you know, when I was pulling my hair out, when I was driving to the store every morning and crying, that good things would come from that, right. I would have said... <laughs> Yeah. I'm, Who are you kidding? Well, you know how they say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger? Yeah. Some days you say, you know what, just kill me. I'm, I'm good. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm strong enough. Yeah. I remember during that time actually saying to my husband, I came home one day and it was like, if somebody asked me one more question, I was going to lose right. it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'm running away from home. Right. And I did for a weekend. I ran um, away from home. Okay. And he said, do you want me to come? And I said, no, no, <laughs> I needed to go away. And what I realized while I was away that I needed to really grieve for 
my expectations of what I thought her teenage years were going to be. Okay. And, you know, when I look back, this was in the probably year three of her illness. And when I look back now, it was something that I had to just let go of Mm -hmm. so that I could move forward and so that I could move forward to be her advocate. Right. And find her the solution that was going to help her come out of this. Right. And the solution actually was, I wrote about this in my book, just a small chapter. It was all about her going through some mind body, I'll call it training for lack of a better word. Okay. And it was shifting her mindset and I'll explain it the best I can. So we went for this three-day training. We took her to England. Okay. And as we were going through the Montreal airport, she was in a wheelchair. That's how weak she was. She couldn't walk through the airport. We get to London. She's in a wheelchair. We go to this three-day training, and I walk into the training and say to the woman who's the trainer, I say, you know, because the trainer's telling us this is going to be like 10 o'clock until 1 o'clock. And I said, I don't think my daughter can go that long. I said, she's really weak, et cetera, et cetera. And the trainer looks at me like, you know, she knows. Mm -hmm. She puts her hand on my arm, and she says, that's okay. If she has to lie on the floor through this training, that's okay. I went, okay, whatever. Mm -hmm. And as I said, when I took my daughter in, she wasn't in a wheelchair, but three days later, she was walking through Hill and Dale in England. And when we came home at the end of the week, she was pulling her own luggage, skipping through the airport. Wow. So dramatic changes. And that was mindset work. There was no pills. There was no nothing. Wow. It was like, stop taking all the medicine that you're taking. Right. And it was just shifting the mindset and creating new neural pathways in her mind about being healthy. And we thought, okay, if we take her to England, and I mean, this wasn't inexpensive, like three people. Mm -hmm. And we thought if she just gets some sort of tool that can help her to Mm de-stress, then that'll be amazing. Right. But I mean, her whole life shifted. That's amazing. What a beautiful story. And what a beautiful parenting story that you, you know, went to literally across the world to save her and find something different. Is that resource still available? It is. That training technique? And what's it called? It's called the lightning process. The lightning process. Okay, we'll do some research on that and maybe share it because it sounds very powerful. It is. And and there may be lots of people who could benefit from it. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not recommending this for somebody who has something medical that can be cured right. by an operation or mm-hmm. whatever. But I do know that in many cases, shifting neuropathways, shifting the mindset can change body chemistry. Right. And we saw that for sure. That's beautiful. So you then became essentially a coach or a business mentor for other people growing businesses. And I assume you took some of that mindset work into that with you because you have such a great testimony and such a personal story related to that. Can you talk to us a little bit about that business, which is essentially what you're doing now and how you help others grow their businesses through your experiences, either in business or personally, and just set people up for success? Yeah, it's interesting because after we sold the retail store, I kind of 
wandered, if okay. you will. Didn't know what I was going to do. I called it untethered in my days. Okay. There I was we are. untethered for a while. <laughs> and I tried some, you know, MLM and some network marketing. Really, you know, and I was successful at it, yeah. but really wasn't my passion. Right. So one day I'm at, you know, one of these networking events and I meet somebody who had been a client at my store and she was doing this untetheredness. Okay. So we had coffee and she said to me, I'll never forget, she said to me, Diana, you have grown a number of successful businesses. Why don't you teach other people how to grow successful businesses? Yeah. And I said, really? People will pay me for that? <laughs> and she goes, yeah, Diana, there's this thing called coaching, which I'd never heard of. Right. And that started my journey. And so I was almost 60 when I started my coaching really? business. Yep, yep. See, as long as I've known you, that's what you've done. Yeah. I'm not sure how long I've known you, though. Probably less than 10 years. But that's just who I know you to be. Yeah. <laughs> From exactly. the first time I met you. First time I met you actually was at a ladies networking event at Queen's. And the name escapes oh, me for the moment now, yeah. but we were at Queens. I remember meeting you for the very first time. Yeah. It'll come back to me. Yeah. So that started my coaching business. And, and you're starting a new business then at 60 is what yes, you're saying. Correct. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and I tell this story too, that one of my very first clients who was a private client was a financial advisor. Okay. And I charged him $300 a month for private coaching. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so in the coaching world, that's not a lot of money. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and he got a great deal, though. But, you know, we all start somewhere. Yeah. And we all start at zero. Right. So there's nothing wrong with that. You've got to start. You've got to figure it out. But I think, you know, one of the things that I learned along the way that if you're going to grow any business successfully, you need help. Yes. And you need the help of a coach. You need the help of a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I always had, and still do, always have a coach, always have a mentor. Interesting. I hear that from a lot of very successful people, that even the most successful coaches have coaches. Exactly. Ask Oprah, ask anybody. Right. They have coaches. And, uh, you know, over the years, it's been a coach for a different sort of things. Maybe it's been a speaking coach. Maybe it's been a coach about creating packages. Maybe it's been a coach about selling online. You know, I'm looking forward this year to having a coach to help me monetize, I guess is the right word, my podcast. Okay. How can I make my podcast better? Right. So that's all lined up for this year. But, you know, currently I work with other coaches who want to go to the next level, other consultants or other professionals. And what I mean by professionals, it could be financial advisors, lawyers, real estate, whatever it happens to be. Mm -hmm. They're the owners, the operators. Doesn't matter whether they are at 100K or 100 million. Right. The problems are still the same. Yeah. Problems are still the same. And what I love focusing on is helping them, what I call differentiate themselves in the marketplace. So let's say you're a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. How many other real estate agents are there in your marketplace here? More than 600. More than 600. <laughs> and how are you going to stand out from all those others? And that's what I love helping my clients do. Right. And whether it's in a group program, whether it's privately, whether it's in a VIP day, that's what fills me up. 
every single day. And when my husband retired two years ago and said, Diana, are you going to retire? Diana, are you going to retire? It caused me to really take a look at my own business. And I didn't want to retire, but I needed to change my business so that I could spend more time with him. And looking forward, if I'm going to have a grandchild, how am I going to have more free time for that? Right. And so this whole work less, earn more. I see that all the time and I admire it because that is ultimately the goal. <laughs> yep. And so that's what I work with with my clients. I had to change my business around so that I could, you know, my goal is 20 hours a week and have a multiple six-figure business. Right. That's beautiful. You are now 69. Correct. You are a beautiful testament to what 69 can look like. Thank you. You are young looking and energetic and glowing. And I love that there's also no slowing down. I know that you choose work that's meaningful to you and that you do exactly that. You work less and you earn more. And that's all for providing you know, lifestyle for you and your growing family and what the important things look like for you. So I do love and admire that. I aspire to be you when I grow up. <laughs> Thank you. I know you recently shared at another event we were at together that you have continued goals for yourself, though. You were talking about, you know, leveling up and doing potential executive level retreats mm -hmm. for people trying to grow their businesses. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that, too. Sure. So I went on my own first business retreat this October, past October. Okay. And during that retreat, I reflected on some of the things that I had wanted to do early in my coaching career. And one of those things that I had written down and I had never accomplished was that I wanted to create warm weather retreats for women entrepreneurs. I want to go to those. There you <laughs> Anything go. that has warm weather in the right. front of it, I'm there. <laughs> So I made a commitment to myself that I would start with a retreat in the coming fall. Okay. Local retreat, sort of work out the kinks yeah. and that sort of thing. But then I thought, okay, how am I going to fill that retreat? And there has mm -hmm. to be, you know, in business, there's kind of a, if you will, I'll use the term funnel. Right. And as I was talking to a number of people that I have networked with virtually and face-to-face, -face, women who are already successful in their business, they don't need another networking event. Okay. And very often they feel lonely because they are sort of at the top of their business, but there's no one else to share their challenges, their daily frustrations with, or even their successes with. I 100% agree with that. And I'll just interject that I do struggle with the fact that I find entrepreneurship a little lonely. I was also used to working with 250 people on a day-to-day -day basis and, you know, people to just, you know, celebrate with and or commiserate with or, you know, just have a social with. Yep. And so I am still trying to find exactly what that looks like for me. There's some future team building probably in my world as well. But that is in large part why I do a lot of what I do for that community, participating in masterminds and community and participating in networking groups. So you're 100% right on the mark 
for people who are successful, it's a little lonely. And you want to work with other like-minded people and be surrounded with them. There you go. Boom. You want to be surrounded by people so that you can level up. Yes. And so haven't got this all worked out yet, but there's things like drinks with Diana, dinner with Diana, a whole series of things leading up to retreats. I like it. Okay. So, and I think there are, in my mind, I know there are enough successful women entrepreneurs in this, I'll call it the Eastern part of Ontario to come together. And, you know, over the winter months, I think we can come together virtually, start building those relationships. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once everybody feels comfortable traveling on the roads in the spring, then we can get together for some dinners and then eventually a retreat in the fall. That sounds beautiful. There's so much energy and enthusiasm behind what you do. I think as a wrap-up question, what I would want to ask you is if you could go back to 25-year-old Diana, (laughs) what would you tell her? I knew you were going to ask this question, and I gave it a lot of thought. Okay. It's kind of a question that you go, you know, everybody has a different answer. But I think the biggest thing would be bolder. To tell Diana to be bolder. To be bolder about who she freaking is. Not be thinking about who she thinks she should be. That's a big one. Not who she thinks she should be. Or other people think she should be but who she knows she can be. Right. Those are literally the best coaching words you can give yourself or anybody. And I think if anybody's listened to all of the podcasts prior to this one, it's a theme. With all the women that we've spoken to, they were trying really hard to be who they thought they were expected to be. Someone society else. expected them to be or their parents expected them to be or even putting expectations on themselves and not what necessarily always felt right or felt good but there was a path. So I think that's a beautiful place to wrap it up with. If people wanted to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Oh, the best place is my website. I funnel everything there, dianalidstone.com. They can read my blogs. They can listen to some podcasts. You have a book. I have a book and they can get a PDF copy of my book on my website. There's a whole gift library there that they can go and download things. My book, there's a meditation. There's something fun that I love talking about, which is in order to grow your business, you don't need social media. So yeah, there's a hundred plus ways to get known and grow your business without social media. So there's a number of downloads there. Okay, that's interesting. And you would often find Diana out and about in a lot of networking circles here in Eastern Ontario, where I also often see and enjoy your company. Thank you. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. And I hope that somebody else gets, you know, some motivation or some inspiration.